You are listening to More to the Story, a weekly podcast featuring Pastor Drew Tarwater and Pastor Darren Enns of Forefront Church in Denver, Colorado. Each week, More to the Story podcast will follow the Forefront Church Sunday Sermon as Pastor Drew and Pastor Darren guide you through the Bible from Genesis through Revelation. Every podcast will feature in-depth analysis of the sermon and answer questions about the Bible. Now, here is more to the story. Welcome to the Forefront Church Podcast. Thank you so much for listening. Uh, First off, Pastor Darren Enns, welcome to the podcast. How are you doing? Hey, I'm doing good. I just started my uh, my fall semester at seminary today. So nice. How much farther do you have? What's your uh, what's I've the time until till next May? Next May, like so, this upcoming May. When so you say next upcoming, May, or like the the upcoming May that we have. Okay. Next May that we have. May next May that we have. Okay, may I just want to make sure that it's not like like <laughs> next May. Like you still have a May to go through. Right. So all right. May two thousand thirty. The the the, the <laughs> journey that seems the journey that's got the finish line coming soon. Pastor Drew Tarwater, how are you doing today? Welcome to the podcast. Good to be with you guys, as always. Um, although I didn't sleep last night, I, I tossed and turned in agony <laughs> after a statement I made yesterday, and I have to issue a public apology <laughs> when I made the comment that um, I wasn't going to ruin the promise of Jeremiah 29. I would leave that to Darren on the podcast. And, and so Darren, Boo. I apologize, my friend. And everybody listening, Darren is a fantastic guy, and he loves he loves to um, affirm the promises of God. And so he is not a promise ruiner; he is a promise enricher. Drew, you are forgiven, and that Thank is the you, word sir. I like to use. Yes, enrich. In my young days, I was a bit more brash, and I would I would ruin things, but I've matured since then. Yeah, no, I appreciate that. And I I'd sometimes <laughs> sacrifice my friends for the sake of being funny, so I apologize for that. <laughs> <laughs> Anything to get a laugh. From it's Pastor true. Drew. It is true. Unfortunately, watch out. All right. Now that everything is cordial here, Drew, can you recap? Besides Absolutely. your apology, yes, yes. Uh, also, one other note: I pr- mispronounced my Angelou's name as my Angelo. So you're probably like, "Who's my Angelo?" Well, it's actually my Angelou. So if you go back, she was a famous poet and author, and uh, a great, a, a great uh, writer for sure. So yeah, we, we were in 2 Kings 24 and 25 yesterday, uh, looking at how the Jews were taken into, in, into exile by Babylon. And it is really an interesting story as you read it. If you've been following along in our series, we saw King Rehoboam, uh, Solomon's son, when he takes the throne, basically he gets greedy and doesn't give the people the answer they want, and the kingdom splits. And the northern 10 tribes, they elect a guy by the name of Jeroboam to be their king. The southern tribes elect a guy, or Rehoboam stays king for, you know, for the short term, um, and that's the uh, tribes of Judah and Benjamin. And the two kingdoms split, and what you see is the, there's just this really ugly period of history in the life of Israel where the northern kingdoms, the northern kingdom, Israel, begins to worship false idols. Uh, they no longer worship Yahweh. And there's just destruction after destruction. And they end up getting led into captivity by the Assyrians in 721 BC. The southern, or the southern kingdom of Judah and um, you know, the, the, the capital of Jerusalem, they continue on for another hundred years or so until Babylon comes. But even during that period, they were still battling 
um, the Assyrians and other people who kept trying to take them by storm. And so finally they fall in 605-ish BC. And what you see is that God is using the Babylonians, the Assyrians, and these other nations really as a tool of judgment against Israel for their unfaithfulness in worshiping him. And so really a dark period in the life of, of Israel during that time where you see all of God's people basically let off into captivity um, in, in several different instances. No, interesting to think about with uh, what led to this split and how, like and you said, the, the Northern Kingdom never really turned their way, turned back to God, did they? Yeah, they they actually established uh, two different places to worship um, because the first king, uh, which was Jeroboam, he he was afraid that the people of of the northern tribes of Israel would would go to Jerusalem and worship there, uh, as was their custom. And so what he did was he set up two sites actually of places to worship. There was one in Bethel, uh, which was at the southern area. Uh, and then there was another one at the extreme north end of the tribes, which was in Dan. Uh, the area of Bethel is in in Samaria. And when we get, as Drew mentioned, I think is one of his sermons, maybe the one two weeks ago, whatever. Um, but when when the Jews in Jerusalem and Judah see Samaritans, they hate Samaritans because one, these people were worshiping at a false place, and two, uh, when when um, when they were you know, deported or, and, and other people moved in, which was the, what the Assyrians did, they intermarried with those Assyrian um, immigrants and they didn't stay pure Jewish ethnic people. So uh, two different reasons why Sumerians were, were hated or viewed as an inferior race. There's some unfortunate racism that happened there. So there's these two places um, where, where Jeroboam set up golden calves. For whatever reason, the, <laughs> the god of choice was a golden calf, uh, the, and, and it wasn't like I, I had this uh, this children's book that had a picture of it, and this was like a towering three story figure made out of gold, and that's not what these calves are at all. They're, they're like little coffee table sized things. They're they're not very huge. Um, we we talked about that with Doctor Hess a couple weeks back. Rob, you and mm-hmm. I did. So yep. Um, it okay, brings so, more light to the to the word the phrase holy cow. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, so interestingly enough, that, that's a nice segue into what I was going to say next, Drew. Um, Amos, Amos chapter 4 is an interesting uh, chapter for me. Um, to set this joke up, uh, the, <laughs> the, the college that I went to is Tabor College in my hometown, Hillsborough, Kansas. Um, our rivals were about half, uh, a half hour down the road in Newton, Kansas, uh, which was Bethel. And uh, Bethel uh, in, in Israel was one of these places uh, of foreign worship. And so Amos is actually, he's kind of prophesying and he's, he's talking to these people about their false worship of gods. And he says in Amos 4, 4, uh, or sorry, chapter 4, it says, Hear this word, you cows of Bashan on Mount Samaria. He's, he's mocking these people who are going to worship these cows on the mountain of Samaria, which was, is this Bethel site. And then later on, he says in Amos 4, 4, Go to Bethel and sin. And that was our favorite uh, verse to mock our rivals with <laughs> <laughs> is that Amos four four some extreme people. I think we did we didn't really like promote it because it's not a great thing to you know use Bible verses to. to uh, we were both Christian colleges. That was the thing. Uh, so go to, when they put Amos four four on a sign, I think someone tried to come and take it down pretty quick because that was that was kind of not not the greatest Christian. 
treatment of, of Wait, each other. So I appreciate the enhancement of that verse there, Darren. <laughs> you bet. <laughs> I can only imagine like there's someone in the stands going, Oh, it's it's the theology kids again got, you know, or in, it's they Man, came these to the kids games really again. know their Bible. It's like so it's like crazy to think about. But then, you know, so what about Jeremiah's words, Drew? Yeah, it was really fun to camp out in Jeremiah 29 uh, yesterday and talk about one of the most famous famous promises in the Bible. But when you look at the book of Jeremiah, you see that God uses Jeremiah to really speak to the really the, the king and the people uh, of Judah to tell them to get their act together. Otherwise, captivity is coming that, you know, ultimately God's going to going to send them away and judge them for their unfaithfulness. And so for chapter after chapter in the book of Jeremiah, you see Jeremiah say, guys, you need to become, you need to recognize what's going on. God's going to judge you for your unfaithfulness. Um, Jeremiah writes the, 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 that great chapter of Jeremiah 29 and the great promise that we read in verse 11 and 12 and 13 and 14, really between the second and third exile. So if you were going to go back and try to map this out, about 605, Nebuchadnezzar comes in, makes King Jehoiakim, basically his servant. Judah starts paying taxes. Three years later, Judah decides they don't like paying taxes. And so Nebuchadnezzar comes in and quells it. He takes Daniel and Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego back to Babylon. He takes a lot of the bright guys back with him. And then he comes back in 597 and they basically lay siege to the to the city and then they come back again in 586. And so really there's three different times they come in exile people away. Jeremiah writes the 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 promise to the letters uh, or, or to the elders between the second and third exile. And so you know it's somewhere in that in that mix. And what what happens is the the, the people who are remaining in in Judah and Judea they don't like this promise. So they end up they end up capturing Jeremiah, and you can read about this in Jeremiah chapter 38. You know, he, he says, look, you guys are going to get judged. Then he sends this great promise that you're not going to be in exile forever. God's going to bring you back. But he had spoken so much judgment against Judah that the leaders at the time, they didn't like it. So they captured him, and they threw him in a cistern. Hmm. And they basically threw him in the pit, and he ends up getting rescued actually by the Babylonians out of the pit, and uh, and told not to be killed. It's just this really interesting story. Uh, but we see that God uses Jeremiah to send words of warning, but also words of promise. And so it's a really interesting book. I encourage you to go back and read through it. No, it's uh, crazy to think about with the whole storyline of, you know, exile back, exile back. But like, what about the good kings versus bad kings? Like, it seems like it was another cycle of, you know, the whole story of Israel, like good king, bad king, redemption story, you know, yeah, help me out with the, that. Uh, the, I, I'm, I constantly think of the cycle of judges where there's, there, people did right what was in their own eyes and then God blessed or God sent judgment upon them. They called for a, a rescue and God rescued them. And the same thing happens sometimes with the kings. Like if a king follows God, worships God alone, things generally went well. But if, if the king did what was right in his own eyes and worshiped other gods, did other things, then uh, it, it often went went poorly for them. Um, and so the northern tribes, as we've been talking, they were the first to fall to the kingdom of Assyria um, because they never th- those kings never really led the people to worship of Yahweh alone. Um, hmm. and, and that's 
you know, there was, I think 722 is the date uh, where, where the northern tribes were invaded by Assyria. And then 586, as we mentioned, was the final, um, the final destruction of Jerusalem. So there's, yeah, 100, 150 years in there where, um, where Judah and Jerusalem stood alone against the, these, these people. Um, one of the, the good kings I want to talk about, kind of a popular one, is Josiah. Um, he, he, was, he became king when he was eight, uh, and he instituted monotheistic reforms into the worship of Jerusalem. And so before that, the king before him had, had been putting, uh, had, had worship of other, other gods in there. And Josiah, um, there's a story in, is, I think it's a, for 2 Kings 22. Um, he, he basically remodeled the temple and he found a book of, of, the, of, of the law, a scroll of the Torah. Uh, which is interesting. Like I thought that thing was supposed to be, you know, in the Holy of Holies or in the temple at all times, but apparently someone boarded up a wall and put the, the Torah behind it for someone else to discover later. And we have Josiah getting that. So um, he, yeah, he discovered this and and read it uh, before the people and discovered that uh, they were not following what they should have been doing. And so he he changed some things. He made sure that they they worshiped Yahweh alone again. Um, and some scholars hypothesize that Josiah, or at least his scribes, and during this time, was when part of the Torah really came together, um, especially like Deuteronomy and Judges um, and parts of Samuel, potentially, um, where where Josiah and, and his people, in trying to legitimize his reforms, kind of really put this put put the rest of of the the old historical documents together that we have, like to legitimize his rule in a sense. Um, and so that, that's something that, that some scholars theorize about. Um, and certainly someone uh, or, or a lot of you know, people had, had look, looked over the Torah and the Old Testament and really just fit it all together because the themes that we're able to draw out are, are, are amazing. Like obviously the Holy Spirit was at work in, in putting this together because of all the things that we can see through it. So um, Drew, do you have anything to add about Josiah? Yeah, I, I love the the reform that you talked about. You know, when Josiah, you know, it's it, it you know they find the scroll, right? It's it just kind of gives you this picture that they had their hearts were so far from God. You know, they 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 necessarily weren't maybe worshiping golden calves like the northern kingdom was doing, but the southern kingdom was just so far from God. And and so they find the scroll and it's red and people are weeping and crying and and everybody is just like so on fire for God. It you know it shows you the power of God's word in people's hearts, but it also shows you how just how dark this period was, where Israel and Judah had just drifted so far away from God, and so you can easily say, well, what, God, why did you exile your people? And I think when you look and you can see they had drifted so far from God, it was it was time you know for God to help use exile to help redirect their hearts. And, and I mentioned that when they returned from exile. There was never a return to idolatry. When they returned to exile, we see a strong faith in Yahweh. Unfortunately, because they they didn't understand God's grace, they got very legalistic over time, and and so much um, clarification on the laws and rituals were, were were clarified. But by the time Jesus got there, that the priests and Pharisees they had you know they had made it a burden on the people, but they never drifted from worshiping Yahweh. Um, so you, you do see that God uses exile to really shape his people when they return. But the reason exile came was because it was such an ugly, dark period of faithlessness. 
What what did exile look like for the Jews? Like when they were in exile, what is what was life like? You know, we kind of think of it. You know, they came out of Egypt, they were slaves. Like, is this exile like a form of slavery? What what did it look like for their day to day lives? Like in the his, you know, in the historical context. Yeah, I'll jump in first, and then Darren um, definitely give some thoughts on this. But you know, we do think of exile as captivity, slavery, um, but there's been some great archaeological findings in the area of Babylon and Mesopotamia where they have found um, really great evidence on how the Jews would have lived during this time. And it looks like they they weren't really living as slaves. So it wasn't like, you know, the Jews were slaves in households of Babylonians. It looks like they lived in a Jewish community. Um, they had jobs. Uh, one of the jobs that it, it's thought that they were, they were the ones who um, were in charge of providing food to a lot of the different areas of the, of the cities. Um, they also, you know, they lived in Jewish, Jewish cultural, um, communities. Um, they, I mean, a lot of them even lived in those areas still, as you look at the book of Esther, you know, Mordecai and, and, and Hadasha, Esther, you know, they're living in these communities. Um, and so it looks like they were actually treated with respect, um, that Babylon just really would, take people from different cultures and bring them back to Babylon. It's almost like imagine living in New York City, right? You've got an area where it was predominantly Italian families, predominantly Jewish families and Irish families. It's similar to that. It's kind of the picture we get. Um, and then also you see that you know Nebuchadnezzar and his royal court really valued grabbing or bringing in the brightest minds into their you know inside circle. So that's where you see Daniel. You know, Daniel, you can learn a lot about exile when you look at uh, the book of Daniel and see that Daniel was brought in. He had his name changed. He was uh, someone they were investing in. And so Daniel had freedom. I mean, he was worshiping the Lord. It ended up getting him in trouble because he had some opponents. But I, I think you get this picture of a lot of freedom, although they couldn't go home. Um, and so that's why I think God says, hey, while you guys are here in the in, in you know, his command in Jeremiah 29, before he gives the promise, build houses, plant gardens and have families. You know, you have the freedom to do that and be a light to the city. And so I think it's it's not the picture of slavery we get in Egypt. It's a picture of freedom, but they still were far from home. Yeah, the thing that I'll add is it's interesting about, like, what are the different th- philosophies and theories um, uh, of, of ancient Near East, con- uh, or just ancient conquest? Like, when a- an empire got a lot of power and just swept through and conquered a lot of land— what did they do with all those people? Um, the Assyrians basically dispersed them throughout their entire empire and, and put new people into the northern tribes of Israel. And so it became a mix of people. So that was the Assyrians' doctrine. They wanted to disperse the people and indoctrinate them to the Assyrian culture so they become Assyrian. They would no longer have their origi- original ethnic identity. Babylon took, a, took groups of people and brought them back to the capital and also tried to make them Babylonian, but they like apparently it wasn't as as easy because the Jewish people still re- uh, uh, retained some of their identity. So that's really interesting to me, just about the different kind of um, what what was the Roman culture like when it came to Jesus? Well, time, so like- yeah, Romans basically kind of adopted the Greeks. So Alexander the Great from Greece swept through from Anatolia all the way through India, um, and then. He, he died in India, and um, I saw a movie recently, what was it, where they discovered, oh, sorry, it was Moon Knight, it was a Marvel TV show, where they discovered Alexander <laughs> the Great's tomb, he was buried like a pharaoh. 
Uh, that's that's something else. It's for sure historical, though. Oh yeah. I, I mean, historical. if it's on, it's like finding it on the internet. I think Abraham Lincoln said that. If it's oh, yeah. on the internet, you know it's so. true. <laughs> um, anyway, so Alexander the Great came through, and and they basically made all of them Greek as much as possible. Uh, hmm. They they tried to just. So by the time we get to to Rome, Rome eventually took over. We're gonna have to do a podcast on the inter. Testamental period because it's so interesting all the stuff that happens because what happens Alexander the Great dies and his vast kingdom gets divided into four different kingdoms because of, he had four different generals um, and the the general who essentially was in charge of Rome or that that area eventually took over everything else and so that's when he gets to the time of Jesus and so Rome was essentially we call it the Greco Roman period it's Greek and also Roman so. Um, hmm. But but the Romans basically adopted the Greek style. Um, one of my professors at, at Tabor, um, he said, Romans were just basically farm boys who fought good. And so they, they uh, and I, I intend, intentionally used incorrect grammar there, fought good. Because um, they, they encountered Greek culture and loved it, adopted it, did the whole phalanx thing and, you know, all that kind of stuff. So that's, that's the context of, of Rome there. But uh, yeah, ancient Near's context, fascinating to me. No, it's interesting thing about. Sorry, I interrupted your thought there too. Going into like what they were in this area in Jeremiah's day, what they were because they were living in exile and they were able to keep some of their culture, but they were getting intermixed as well. Yeah, like in Daniel, you know, the those friends, um, they they each took Babylonian names, right? Daniel was Belteshazzar yep. and stuff yep. like that. So they adopted some of these things, but they still retain their Jewish identity, and I think that has some some uh, weight for us today as we're living, you know, on earth, our, our final kingdom that we're going to be a part of is heaven on earth. Um, and so we're kind of in this, this inter, uh, inter waiting period where, you know, I'm, I am an American. Um, I'm, you know, all these other identifiers, but I'm a Christian first at heart. And so that's really, you know, that, that should be my identity. And I, I shouldn't allow the secular world to infect me in certain ways, but we're going to go and meet the secular world in, in a certain way to, you know, we're going to try to make Christianity palatable as, as we can, as we, you know, preach the gospel and those kinds of things. No, it's interesting. When you talk about like with, especially where they keep their names. Like I think of the story with Joseph, you know, being in Egypt and when he had kids, like he was given an Egyptian name, but he named his kids with Jewish or Israeli, you know, names mm-hmm. of, you know, his ancestry, not, with Egyptian names. So mm-hmm. th- like when you talk about names and throughout the storyline of the Bible, that may be another fun topic to go like <laughs> how they, how do they keep their Jewish heritage and all that? That's a whole nother rabbit trail there for you. Yeah. <laughs> so, but Drew, what are we talking about next week? What are, what are people going to hear when they show up? Yeah. So we are, can you believe it guys? We are at the end of our old Testament time. This weekend will be when we talk about return from exile and then we'll move into the life of Jesus in um, September, on September 11th. So we've made it, guys. We started in January, and here we are at the end of August, and we've made it through the high-level parts of the Old Testament. It's been really fun. We definitely need to circle back and do some prophets next summer. Uh, but starting this week, we're going to talk about return from exile, and it's really interesting. So why did while the Jews are in Babylon, um, in exile, we see that Babylon falls, um, and Persia comes in, and so Persia basically conquers Babylon, and the Persian king Cyrus uh, allows Jews to go back and build, you know, rebuild their temple, and that's where you see the story that we're going to talk about next week of Zerubbabel and Ezra, 
Then Cyrus's son, Darius, or Darius, ends up being becoming the one that sends um, Nehemiah back. And so you see this remnant return to Israel or to, to you know to Jerusalem, to Judea. And that becomes known as Israel. And so now you have Samaria and you have Israel. And so you have another name change back to Israel. And that will set us up for when we move into the New Testament time starting in September. So I'm excited that we're, we're uh, kind of transitioning from Old Testament to New. Um, but there's so much that we weren't able to cover. And we'll have to come back on a few of these podcasts and, and, and hit them. Um, and then I think some future series to dig in a little deeper on that, as Darren said, that intertestamental time. No, it's interesting. I'll be excited to hear more about it. So, Darren, any parting thoughts before we uh, wrap this up? Yeah, there's a lot. And I, I remember reading reading a, an introduction to the New Testament book, like apparently just for fun. I don't know what I was thinking. Um, and that's when I kind of discovered all this intertestamental period stuff. Like, wait, Alexander the Great? I've heard that. How did that affect the Bible again? And like, that's that was really cool for me. So, yeah, excited to hopefully talk about some of that maybe next week. No, and it would, it would be fun to talk about Daniel's prophecy of the the shift of power that mm-hmm. you can trace through um, you know Alexander the Great and Julius Caesar and so many of these different leaders that, that come through. So that would be pretty fun to spend some time on as well. No, absolutely. Well, we I thank you guys. I thank you for your insights, and we thank you for listening. Uh, once again, Pastor Darren Enns, thank you so much. My pleasure as always. Pastor Drew Water, thank you so much. Thanks, guys. Good to be with you. And if you have questions or thoughts you want to share with us, uh, send them to life at ForefrontChurch.tv. And thanks for listening. And I'm Rob Blasey. You have been listening to More to the Story, a weekly podcast featuring Pastor Drew Tarwater and Pastor Darren Enns of Forefront Church in Denver, Colorado. Each week, More to the Story podcast will follow the Forefront Church Sunday Sermon as Pastor Drew and Pastor Darren guide you through the Bible from Genesis through Revelation. Every podcast will feature in-depth analysis of the sermon and answer questions about the Bible. Thank you for listening. We'll be back next week with another edition of More to the Story.